Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show. We cover soccer in Atlanta. Not a ton of that going on right now, but still some things to talk about. Everything around the state, there are some things happening with those roadrunners from up at Dalton State. We'll get you filled in on them and everything else going on locally. We talk about the national scene, the international scene. We're going to get into trying to get into the mind of not just referees, because that can be a challenge at times, but the governing bodies of referees. We're going to try to get into that tonight. I'm a little scared, but we're going to give it a go because there's been some interesting things happening in a variety of competitions when it comes to handball. It's the new, do we know what a catch is in the NFL? What's a handball in various leagues and competitions around the world? We'll try to figure that out a little bit tonight. But we're going to start with Major League Soccer. The playoffs back underway after the international break. And it was a little lower scoring than we saw in the best of threes, especially in the Atlanta United best of three with Columbus. Tons of goals in all of those games. Very stingy on the defensive side in the single-game knockouts in the conference semifinals. That's not a surprise. It's also not a surprise when you look at some of the teams that are involved. But these games, when you get to a single-game knockout, we've seen it before. Teams don't want to lose early, so they're going to be very defensive. They're going to be a little, I don't want to say tentative. I don't think that's necessarily fair cautious is maybe the best way to put it let's go backwards from the four games that were played over the weekend and talk a little bit about them the last game played was LAFC they won at Seattle so that was an upset the three seed beating the two out west and 
it kind of felt like an end of an era in some ways for the Seattle Sounders. We had seen down the stretch, Nicholas Ladero, Raul Ruiz Diaz, both start to come off the bench and not start games. And I think for both, that's a little bit of a shock when you talk about how good they have been over the years. And look, Seattle wasn't all that good in their normal run. They did have some injuries. I think Christian Roldan's concussion issues were a huge issue for this team this year. But Ladero and Rui Diaz weren't impacting games in the most the, the the best of ways, especially Ladero, because what it meant is Ladero played as the 10 and Albert Rusnak played deeper. The team played better with Rusnak as the 10. And when you look at things going forward, even if if it is the end of an era for the Seattle Sounders, they found some things this year. They controlled games well little bit of a positional play kind of a setup at times. And I think they evolved that as the year went on. They were very good defensively, but they just didn't go out and win enough. They didn't have those game changers in the attack. And that's what they have to get next year. They've got a great core. Jackson Reagan, Yamar Gomez, Andrade. Yamar Gomez, Andrade was on my MLS best 11. Two great center backs. Joao Paulo in the central midfield. Christian Roldan, I'd like to see with him. Albert Rusnak as the 10. That's a really good spine. Jordan Morris can play somewhere up top, either as the nine or out wide. Can they go get a next tier winger? I don't think they need a next tier 10 because you already have Rusnak and he is good for this team. Can they go get a next tier winger or a next tier number nine, wherever you're going to get to get the most bang for your buck? Seattle's got money to spend, but they're not going to spend crazy money. Morris could move around in that front three. If Seattle goes and does that, they'll be fine next year, but they are going to feel very different without Ladero and potentially without Rui Diaz. LAFC, it was surprising to see them so cynical and scared at times. They got the goal in the first half and they did everything that you normally see teams do when it comes to time wasting and just being defensive. I'm not used to seeing this out of LAFC. It's almost like the switch flipped a little too much because in Bob Bradley's LAFC, they never defended the way they needed to at times. This LAFC, I think, is going too defensive too quickly. How will it go when they get back home to host the semifinal? We'll find out. Giorgio Chiellini was amazing in this game, turning back the clock. I thought he was really strong here, and and LAFC got the win in Seattle. Seattle had opportunities. They couldn't get it done. Houston, they got it done at home over Sporting Kansas City. So Houston will go to LAFC in the conference final out west. In this game, I thought Houston was the better team. I thought they were the better team by a pretty wide margin. Sporting Kansas City put up a good fight. This was the number eight seed. They beat St. Louis. They went to Houston. This game was wide open at times. It was a very entertaining watch. But what it's going to come down to in the conversation that we're going to have about it is the handball call or no call. And it was a very difficult call. First off, and look, I know it's easy when we get into these situations and we're going to dig deeper into this as we go tonight. 
handballs are very hard to judge, even if you have replays and, and a video assistant referee, and we've got a million different interpretations of the handball rule at this point, and not all of them are correct, by the way. This was a really difficult one. I don't think it was cut and dried either way. I think you can absolutely justify not calling it. The referee and the VAR decided not to call this. The VAR can just make a recommendation. Let's keep that in mind. This is a little bit different than some of your other sports where you might have a replay official who can overrule things. That's not how this goes here. They provide input. The referee makes the final decision. This ultimately did not go to an on-field review. That's a little surprising. The ball hit the player's arm on the line. There's no question about that. Was the arm in a natural position? Did he move his arm towards the ball? These are not easy questions to answer. Personally, watching it and watching the multitude of replays, and I know I'm in the minority on this, I don't think it was a handball. I think it's a good no call, and I think Houston is a deserved winner. I know Peter Vermes completely disagrees with that. I know a lot of people disagree with that. It feels like hive mind at times when we get into these conversations. I feel like his arms were down by his side. And one of the big conversations for defenders inside the 18 has been, we don't want defenders to have to feel like they have to put their hands behind their back. That's not a natural position either. The idea is that if the arms are down by the player's side, and I think they were in this case, that should not be called. I think it's a good no call here. And again, I know I'm in the minority and, and this is such a feel thing because this isn't a blown call. This isn't a missed call. This is a judgment call. And these are the hardest for referees in any sport. You can get into a lot of different judgment calls. They're the hardest ones. If it's in or it's out, you know, things like that that you can see. Did he did he trip him? Is it, is it inside the 18? There's so many different things there that you can are cut and dried. This is not. There's a lot of interpretation to it. We'll get into it a little bit later about how difficult some of this interpretation is. When we come back, we'll get a little bit deeper into the Eastern Conference semifinals. Cincinnati, they got the job done. There was controversy in that one as well. They beat Philadelphia. Columbus, they won at Orlando and Columbus might have been the most impressive team in this round of games. The Columbus crew who knocked Atlanta United out. Columbus, I thought, had the best approach in their semifinal. I thought they performed the best. It did take them the extra time to get past Orlando on the road. We'll talk about some of the things coming out of that one. We'll talk about some of the things we know and don't know coming out of the Cincinnati-Philadelphia match. We'll get into the MLS Best 11. Lots of things to talk about on Atlanta soccer tonight. We'll be back with more on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. 
Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Back to more of Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Make sure you're subscribed to Off the Woodwork, wherever you get your podcasts, if you want to listen on demand, all the other soccer content we have here at 92.9 The Game. Off the Woodwork is where you can get that on the Odyssey app, but also wherever you get your podcasts. We talked about the Western Conference semifinals in Major League Soccer. Yes, the playoffs have continued, even though Atlanta United season ended right before the international break to Columbus. We're going to talk about Columbus a little bit here in this segment. They took care of business down in Orlando on the road, but we're going to start with Cincinnati and Philadelphia. The controversy in Houston, I don't know if it's more or less or about the same as the controversy in Cincinnati. FC Cincinnati got the win, 1-0, a very, very late goal to win it. And there was a question about was a player in Murphy in an offside position on the first ball played. He headed it back across. It's put home. There wasn't a mystery angle first. I don't know where that came from. I think it was, I don't know if it was just a Twitter myth, an X myth, sorry, bird app myth, whatever. I don't know. I I never heard that there was another angle. I I know a little bit about how this stuff works. And TV has access to everything that the VARs and the AVAR and then the referee, if you want to show it to them. TV would have access to all of that. So there wasn't another angle that we didn't see on the broadcast. And the the angle on the broadcast was in no way conclusive. It is maybe six to eight yards to the left of where you wanted it to be in the situation. So also, you can't see the foot of the defender in this situation as well as Julian Carranza, who was defending on the set piece. You can't see his back foot exactly. You can make a pretty good guess of where it is. And I know on the 2D Twitter account that tries to draw graphs and all this, it's way beyond my math skills. They said it was down to about three centimeters where they felt like it was offside. That's really close. There, there's no bonus here of the, the VAR's got something else that they can see. The referee's got something else that they can see. The AVAR. Nobody else had a better view than the assistant referee. This went back to the old school. 
And what's always funny when, when we get wrapped up into these controversies and look, refereeing's hard and refereeing needs to improve. I think it does. But also, I think at times it's very unfair in how we deal with the referees. And yeah, I'll put my hand up. I, we all do it. We get emotional about this game. But when we take that deep breath and we go back to what has always been one of the complaints about offside in the VAR era, you can go down and you can see if it's a toe offside or not. They're offside by a toenail. That's the line a lot of people like to throw out there. That goes against what a lot of us who came up in the game as players or coaches and what we were always told was that if it's close, referees are instructed to keep their flag down. This is in the past before VAR. Referees and VARs, assistant referees, were expected to keep their flag down in that situation if it's close. This was very, very close. Yeah. I, I understand the outrage, but some of it from some circles of the MLS and Philadelphia fan bases uh, were really out of hand. There, there's no hidden agenda to get Philadelphia knocked out of the postseason or to help Cincinnati. There, there's none of that in this situation. Go back and look at it. It is extremely close. Understand the angles of it. There's nothing that is conclusive. And when it's not conclusive, the VAR should not be overruling the call in the field. They should not. Now, the one question I would have to really get into the weeds on this, and we're going to get deeper into the weeds when it comes to referees here in a minute. The question I would have, and it's something that we, I think we do need to start getting clear. We know that ARs are told to keep their flag down because VAR can fix things now. Okay. Now, the flag was not brought up at the end of the play, so that would lead me to guess that the AR felt like it was onside. I would like that clarified in these conversations because typically we do see the AR, if they don't put their flag up during the play, they then put it up at the end of the play so you know that they said it was offside and then the VAR has to make the decision. In this case, I just want to know that for sure. I'm pretty sure the AR felt like it was onside, and that's what stuck. I'd love to have that clarified. And when we get further into announcing these decisions, I want those very specifically clarified. Let's get a little bit deeper into Philadelphia right now because there's a weird situation going on at the moment, and I don't understand what's happening with the Philadelphia Union. And it revolves around their captain, Alejandro Bedoya. In October... There was an article in The Athletic that reported the union not planning on bringing him back or offering an extension to him. He's been a longtime captain for the club. Contract is up now that the season is over. After the match, Jim Curtin made it really clear that he wanted Alejandro Bedoya back. He said he's bigger than anybody. He should 100% be back. His talk and his play on the field speaks for itself. His play on the field? Uh, Father Time, like we talked about with Nicholas Ladero and Raul Ruiz Diaz, Father Time's undefeated. It's catching up to Alejandro Bedoya. I do think he's got something to give to this team. And I do think you're going to have to have some tough conversations about how much can you pay for that in this, where I don't think he's a 34-game starter next year. I don't think he can do that. I don't think you want him to do that, to have him playing at his best. 
So can you pay him like he is? All right. That's that's a decision. That's a that's a conversation. That needs to happen. But what makes this situation so weird is Jim Curtin also said in his postgame comments, this is a quote from Jim Curtin after getting knocked out. I think anywhere in the world, the head coach would have a say in what's up with this captain. I think there was a miscommunication for sure. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, What? Did Jim Curtin just throw Ernst Tanner, his boss, under the bus? I, I don't know. And there was talk about in the article in The Athletic that Bedoya wanted to go speak to Tanner and nobody would speak to him about the decision that he's not coming back. I wondered if that was a distraction for this team. I ultimately don't think it was. But this is a really weird way to handle a club legend. And I don't know what's going to happen here. And I don't know if Ernst Tanner is going to be all that happy about getting called out in that manner after his team got knocked out. And I don't know what that means long-term for Jim Curtin, Alejandro Bedoya, Ernst Tanner, any of those relationships. going to be really weird. We also don't know if Matt Miazga is going to face any further suspension. That has not been announced by Major League Soccer as of 1048 on Tuesday night. Miazga is under investigation, I, I guess it's still ongoing, by Major League Soccer for entering the referee's locker room after the first round series ended at Red Bull Arena. He was suspended for the game on Saturday night due to yellow card accumulation. We don't know his status for the Eastern Conference Final. His suspension is over, but I would think that he would be facing a suspension for, I don't know, going into the referee's locker room after a game to continue arguing. That feels like a suspension on deck for me. I said before, I think you're getting into a kind of conversation about a suspension for months, not games. This has got to get resolved. And the fact that we don't know anything right now about it, that's a problem. And that's something that there needs to be an update. If you can't have an answer yet, which I don't know why you can't at this stage, there needs to be an update about where things stand because that's kind of a big deal going into a conference final. Now, I told you we'd talk about Columbus, the team that knocked Atlanta out. Well, they're they're continuing on in the MLS playoffs. And I think maybe that should give you a a little more, I don't want to say understanding, but I don't know, maybe it makes the loss to Columbus a a little more palatable. Um, Columbus was the three seed in the Eastern Conference. They were the third best team in Major League Soccer this season overall. And they showed they were better than Orlando in the moments that mattered. Orlando didn't look all that strong in this game even at home i thought columbus was in control they played their way they constantly went for the win they they kept orlando to no shots on goal for a long portion of this match they couldn't find the breakthrough but it didn't seem to rattle columbus too much they bring on christian ramirez in extra time he gets the goal yes it's a typical christian ramirez kind of a goal not exactly poaching but just making that hard run into the six-yard box, looking for a deflection, just looking for something. He found it. Um, Great story for Christian Ramirez, a player who I've always had a soft spot for going back to his time in the North American Soccer League. 
with Minnesota United, had some caps with the U.S. men's national team, went to Aberdeen with Stephen Glass and did really, really well there. Um, I thought he was it was handled really poorly by the next manager who came in after Glass and kind of froze Ramirez out. Um, that was a shame to see. But Ramirez found a good landing spot in Columbus, and he gets Columbus into the Eastern Conference Final, where they got to go down the road and face their state rivals, Cincinnati. Now, Orlando, a little bit of a postscript on them. Oscar Pereja, out of contract. Executive Vice President of Soccer Operations, Luis Muzi, out of contract. Technical Director, Assistant General Manager, Ricardo Moreira, out of contract. Now, Muzi and Moreira have option years, but Pereja's out of contract. I, I don't know. There's some speculation that now that the Wilfs are in complete control of Orlando City, that coming from the NFL kind of style of things, you wait till after the season, you sit down, you do the new deal, you hammer it out. Then I hope Oscar Pereja's on board with all that. Is he going to get offered a new deal? He should. Is he going to take it? Does he want a new deal? I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on that. And this could get really interesting in Orlando. Keep an eye on it. Your odds for the conference finals. LAFC is a big favorite, minus 170, according to FanDuel Sportsbook, for the conference final. They're hosting Houston, who is a plus 420. On the other side, Cincinnati hosting Columbus. A little bit tighter. Cincinnati plus 110, Columbus plus 230. Now, other news today in Major League Soccer, the best 11 was announced. Tiago Almada, Yorgos Yakamakis of Atlanta United, named that best 11. Not really a surprise there. I had them in the best 11 that I submitted with my vote, which there were a lot of people voting. My vote didn't mean that much. I did have eight of the 11. I'll take that. Um, Roman Berkey in goal from St. Louis. Tim Parker from St. Louis on the back line with Matt Miazga and Walker Zimmerman. Four-man midfield, Luciano Acosta, Tiago Almada, Hector Herrera, and Ani Mukhtar. And up front, Denny Boanga, Yorgos Yakamakis, and Cucho Hernandez. I had Kai Wagner and Yamar Gomez Andrade instead of Parker and Zimmerman in the back. And I had Carlos Heel instead of Mukhtar in the midfield. That one's pretty much a toss-up. Wagner, even though he made a fool of himself uh, with a racial slur in the playoffs and ended up getting suspended and missing games for Philadelphia, crucial games, uh, his season was good enough to be on the best 11. This was also submitted right after the last game of the regular season before he made a fool of himself. And Yamar Gomez Andrade, I think he's been disrespected here in a big way. I think he should be in the best 11. He was my vote for defender of the year, to be honest. I think he's the best defender in the league this season and doesn't even make the best 11 a little bit of a surprise i thought he had a better year than parker and zimmerman um hector herrera being here really good call and i'm happy that he got here i think he should have gotten a little more support in the mvp race which ended up going to luciano acosta uh, boango was second tiago almato was third herrera Maybe could have been in that top three. Maybe could have displaced Tiago Almada for that. Herrera was absolutely valuable and maybe the most valuable um, to his team of those guys. 17 assists for Herrera, and he's turned Houston around, and he's going to be a factor in the Western Conference Final. I think Houston can go to LAFC and win. I think it goes to extra time, and LAFC gets it done. I'm going to keep rolling with the Columbus crew. I think they beat Cincinnati and move on 
to MLS Cup, which they would host, even though they're the third seed in the East. All right, coming up in five minutes on Atlanta soccer tonight, we're going to try to make sense of what a handball is in 2023 and some other things revolving around the laws of the game. All that coming up after a five-minute break here on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore, and I'm going to try to get into the mind of referees, the governing bodies, all of this. It's very difficult at times. I think we're seeing a lot of it talked about it in the MLS Cup playoffs and offside call. That was very controversial. A team season ended on that not being called. A handball call. A team's season ended on that not being called. We saw it today with Newcastle and PSG. A very controversial handball that was called after the VAR intervened. (sighs) It's very difficult. Refereeing is very difficult. And we're going to try to have a civilized conversation about it here. If as you listen to this, either live or if you're listening on demand and you've got input, things you want to add to this conversation, tweet at me at Longshoe and and we'll dig into it as best we can. Now, the reason I want to dig into this is IFAB. They held their annual business meeting today in London. IFAB is the International Football Association Board. They are in charge of the laws of the game. They're run by the four British football associations. 
uh, Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, and England, and FIFA. The laws of the game originated in these associations, so they are in charge of it. FIFA has their input as well. In their business meeting, now nothing was decided in full in their business meeting. This really sets the scene for the next meeting in March, which is where changes to the laws of the game are approved. Official trials of potential changes are approved. Decisions get made at the next meeting. This is what sets the scene for it. Now, at this meeting, they have approved proposed trials that were already put forward, whereby only the team captain may approach the referee and for sin bins, I love the English terminology here, uh, a penalty box, for example, sin bins are going to be tested at a higher level. So leagues will have to put forward that they would like to trial these things and we'll see what happens. The measures here in this part are specifically trying to improve participant behavior in the game and increase respect for officials, which is something that is absolutely needed. Now, sin bins, the the penalty box idea. If you've played indoor soccer in, in the U.S., you get that side of it. Obviously, with hockey, you understand the penalty box side of things. But from a soccer perspective, you've never had it completely codified in the outdoor game in any way. Now, it was introduced across all levels of grassroots football in England from the 2019-20 season on. The whole idea is, again, it's about levels of respect, improving that fair play in the game. The rule change goes up to a certain level, I think, where it gets to semi-pro in the men's and the women's side. Essentially, it kind of creates an orange card as well. You don't have just a yellow card, which a yellow card, two yellows, you're, you're sent off. You have an orange card with a a stricter penalty, which is going off the field for a period of time. Now, this was introduced by the FA as punishment for dissent to all levels of grassroots football in the 2019-20 season. They did a pilot before that. According to the FA figures, the trials of this, all about a punishment for dissent, the trials resulted in a 38% reduction in dissent across the leagues that participated with 72% of players, 77% of managers, and 84% of referees wanting to continue with that change. So you can send a player off temporarily if you're the referee with the send bin. 10 minutes in a 90-minute game. 10 minutes. If it was a game that was set to be shorter, like a youth game or whatever, it would go to 8 minutes. But 10 minutes out of 90, that's a pretty significant penalty there. You don't like actually go to a box, like a penalty box in hockey. You have to go to the technical area or stand on the side of the pitch like you're coming back from an injury. You get waved back on. If you get a second yellow bonus, yellow card, yellow card plus, orange card, whatever it's going to end up getting called, you get a second one, then you're done. But you can't come back, but you can be substituted if the team has substitutions remaining. The team doesn't have to play shorthanded. So that creates this escalation uh, of things. I don't hate it. I want to see it at a higher level. I want to see how it works. Let's see. Now, IFAB's ready to trial the orange card, not just for dissent situations, but for fouls that would not be a red card, but 
more than just a yellow. And one of the fouls that they cited, we talked about Giorgio Chiellini having such a good match for LAFC this weekend. Go back to Chiellini's foul on Bukaya Saka in the Euro 2020 final, where he grabbed his shirt, yanked it backwards. Near midfield. It's not dog so. It's not an obvious goal-scoring opportunity. He's at midfield. It's not a violent conduct or anything like that, so it's not a red card. But should it be more than just a yellow? And that's kind of where the sport is right now. They want to have that next level, that in-between level. And with VAR being involved, and you can evaluate these fouls in detail, I think you do need an in-between. I don't hate the idea. I kind of like the idea. So it would be used for dissent. It would be used for these kinds of fouls that are not red card worthy, but more than a yellow, an orange card. If a goalkeeper sent to the sin bin, then an outfield player has to go in goal for that spell of time. Okay, that's that's how it goes. Goalkeepers, time wasting would be something that you could really use this to crack down on. And that's another thing that's been talked about. Now, some other things in terms of, the, of where IFAB is right now trying to deal with this. Um, goalkeepers, for example, having the ball in their hands for more than six seconds. We know the six-second rule in the game, and I, I've seen it called twice in my life at high levels. Uh, once was in the Olympic semifinal with the U.S. Women's National Team and Canada, and Canada lost their minds when it was called, and I can't blame them because you never see it called. So goalkeepers sometimes get 10, sometimes 15, sometimes 25, you know, they might get a yellow card at some point. How can you handle that? How can you find that next level of punishment rather than giving the, the punishment that you have to right now, which you don't want to, which is an indirect kick inside the 18. That feels too harsh, but one potential punishment that some have discussed, and I think you're going to see some trials of giving a corner. So if a goalkeeper's wasting time with the ball in their hands more than the six seconds, they've been warned to bring it back in and they continue doing it, call a corner kick. So it's creating an opportunity. It's conceding possession, but it's not an indirect kick inside the 18, which is a, a pretty high probability of creating a really dangerous goal scoring opportunity. Now, let's get into handballs here a little bit because there have been potential clarifications being involved uh, for handballs. Law 12, it's under fouls and misconduct. There needs to be, because I really can't tell you clearly what a handball is and what a handball isn't anymore. And it feels like it's too too determinate on the way it's interpreted in competition to competition. It's not consistent. If you play in MLS, it's going to be called differently than it is in the Premier League, which is different than it is in UEFA competitions. It's got to get sorted out. I, I love that IFAB is trying to figure out that in between the yellow and the red card. They need to. I like it. I, I'm completely fine with cracking down on dissent. I'm good with trialing things about the the send bin, the penalty box, whatever you want to, however you want to do it. If you want to throw in a literal orange card, or if it's just a yellow card where you send them off for ten minutes, whatever. I'm good with trialing these things. The offside rule—that's another one. That there's been talk about trialing, kind of changing it. If any part of the body is offside, then it's offside. Changing it to if any part of the body is onside, then it's onside. I'd like to see some trials of that. But 
the handball law. It is the biggest issue right now in the game, and we've seen it in MLS in a playoff game. We saw it today in Champions League. There shouldn't be differences in how it's interpreted in various parts of the world. Yesterday morning on Morning Footy on the Golasso Network, Christina Uncle talking about the decision in MLS, it, it was very hard to understand if it's right or wrong. And the idea that, that that she brought forward here was that it should be called in that situation, a player on the goal line trying to block a shot that it should be called, no matter if it's an actual handball according to the definition of the laws of the game or not, because it takes away a goal. That has nothing to do with it. And, and there shouldn't be these interpretations. The law should be the law. This shouldn't be hard. You want to know why it's hard? The laws of the game definition of handballs changed regularly over the past few years. It is difficult to keep track. I'm going to give it to you. This is literally what is in the laws of the game right now. It is an offense if a player deliberately touches the ball with their hand slash arm. For example, moving the hand slash arm towards the ball. Second bullet point. It's an offensive. A player touches the ball with their hand slash arm when it has made their body unnaturally bigger. A player is considered to have made their body unnaturally bigger when the position of their hand slash arm is not a consequence of or justifiable by the player's body movement for that specific situation. By having their hand slash arm in such a position, the player takes a risk of their hand slash arm being hit by the ball and being penalized. It's also an offense if the player scores in the opponent's goal directly from their hand slash arm, even if it's accidental. Um, or immediately after the ball has touched their hand slash arm. Okay, the last part, pretty cut and dried. The rest of it is not. You'll remember things about the silhouette that we've talked about before. That's not here anymore. Conversation, and it's a big one, about a deflection off their own body. That's not in the laws of the game. So the, the situation today with Newcastle, that takes a deflection off the body into the arm it doesn't matter that it deflected according to the laws of the game. So it all comes back to, did they use their hand slash arm to make their body unnaturally bigger and it was not justifiable or the consequence of the player's body movement for that specific situation? I think it was justifiable because of the way the player was moving today. I, even if you take the deflection out of it, I don't think it should have been called. But when UEFA is calling it differently than the Premier League, that's a problem. When in MLS, you're, in the same weekend, we saw a handball called against Luis Abram when the ball came off his body into his arm, which again, in, in the laws of the game, doesn't matter. Okay, we saw that called. Same weekend. Same time, maybe almost the same time in the game. I think it was a little bit earlier. It should have been a penalty for Charlotte at home when a sliding defender from DC United slid out, blocks a shot. It pops up off of their leg into their hand, which is over their head. And because it deflected, they didn't give the handball. I don't think when you slide, your hands have to be over your head. That should have been called. The one with Abram, I don't think his arm was in an unnatural position. The way he was moving, your arms go out. Inconsistency. 
Same league. Inconsistency between the Premier League and UEFA. UEFA, back in April, they recommended, the UEFA football board recommended that UEFA clarify in their competitions that no handball offense should be called on a player if the ball is deflected from their own body. Well, they obviously did not clarify that, at least with the official involved today who refereed the World Cup final back in December. As good as it gets. According to the laws of the game, he can justify the call today. And it comes down to that conversation of how it's interpreted. Do we need more concrete language in there to make this easier to determine for referees? Or does it need to be more of a judgment call? Do we need to codify that if it deflects off their body that you're not going to call that? These are all very difficult conversations. And I get it and I understand it. and We all get emotional about it. Referees are not intentionally trying to mess these things up to mess up your team. They're trying to get it right. They're trying to follow the instructions they're given. In this case, on handballs, I don't think the instructions are very clear. That should be IFAB and FIFA's number one thing they're trying to clean up right now. Define the handball law better. You have an opportunity to do it. Let's get it right here and stick with something for a while and not change it and go back and forth. So commentators, referees, fans, everybody, all of us involved in the game, understand what the rules are right now and can explain it when decisions get made. Sure, there's going to be another controversy. There are games tomorrow, so probably will be one in there. We'll talk about that as it comes up. But thanks for bearing with me for a little bit of a laws of the game conversation. Coming up next, y'all know by now how we end the show. The 343, three local stories, four headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that I love so much. The 343 coming up next on 929 the game and the Odyssey app. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. Three, four. Three. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back. Final segment of Atlanta Soccer Tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. It's the 343. We're going to try to make it move a little bit faster this time around. Let's start on the local side. The UPSL Georgia quarterfinals were tonight in the Premier Division, and we had one really big upset. The season came to an end for the Atlanta United U19s in extra time at home in Marietta. 4-2, they lost to Atlanta City FC. 
KSA, they won their match tonight 2-1 over SSL. They'll face the Atlanta Rovers on Saturday in one semifinal. The regular season champs, Dalton United, they had a bye into the semifinals. They will host Atlanta City in the other semifinal on Saturday. Matthew DeJaney from Atlanta United's academy team, he won the UPSL Georgia Golden Boot for the regular season, 14 goals on the season for DeJaney. Number two on the local side, Dalton State. Their men last night in the NAIA men's soccer tournament, they got past William Penn of Iowa 1-0 in the round of 16. This game was crazy. The tournament's being played in Wichita, Kansas. There's a whole lot of snow on the ground in Wichita, Kansas. So the game was moved inside to a facility, the Striker Soccer Complex, which full-size field, the roof's a little low, and I think there were some issues with the ball hitting the roof, which led to some really weird referee decisions, but I digress. You have to deal with what you can deal with. You can't play in, I want to say, seven inches of snow is what I saw at one point. Dalton State, they dealt with it, and they found a way. Mason Dalton, Dalton for Dalton State, just makes sense, right? Scored with 20 seconds left in the match. Yeah, it took a deflection, but the Roadrunners of Dalton State, number four seed, they have moved on to the round of eight. They'll play on Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time at the Striker Sports Complex against number five, St. Thomas of Florida. Bonus on the college side, Life University, their women's team also advanced in the NAIA round of 16. They beat another Georgia school, Truett McConnell, 2-1 this afternoon in Foley, Alabama. Lilia Bjorg Olaf's daughter delivered both goals in the second half for life. They turned the draw at halftime into a win, and life will be in the quarterfinals. They will play defending national champions, number two seed Spring Arbor University on Thursday at 5 o'clock Eastern. So you got the Roadrunners of Dalton State, and you have the Life Running Eagles in the, the round of eight in the NAIA finals. Number three on the local side, Georgia Revolution, club down in McDonough in the UPSL. They will showcase next Wednesday night their high school age, and, and I think some players who are just out of high school who have college eligibility. It's a very cool showcase for college coaches next Wednesday night at Warhawk Stadium in McDonough. It is open to the public. Um, awesome food truck there, by the way. You give me a Mexican food truck, I am all in, right? I uh, love the idea of setting this game up so players can get seen in person by college coaches. There's so much talent all over the place right now, and it's not only at the biggest youth clubs. Georgia Revolution in UPSL, they started in NPSL. They've started after school and a youth academy, and they can help these players get to the next level. They've been doing a great job with that. Also, on the flip side of this, there's so many college opportunities out there, and it's not only the biggest schools. Like I mentioned NAIA earlier with Dalton State, with Life, D3, D2, D1. Sometimes it's best to start at a smaller school, move up. We see it the other way, too. Players go to a bigger school, don't play a lot, move down. There are a lot of opportunities out there. I'm excited to be on hand for this next Wednesday, provide a voice to the match on tape. That's another way the club intends to help their players get seen by local college coaches. Got, I think, over 15 coaches coming for this. Most of the state schools, also some schools from out of state. Really cool. Really excited to see it firsthand. Four headlines from around the world today. Let's get into UEFA Champions League from this afternoon. Talked about the controversy 
with Newcastle. They had a 1-0 lead in second half stoppage time. It was chaos. There was controversy. There was a handball called. I think it was a harsh call. But can you justify that call according to the laws of the game like we just talked about? You can. I, I, I think they got it wrong, but you can justify it because it's a judgment call. They're still alive going into the last day, though. They had to get a result. They did get it. Dortmund is qualified for the knockout round. PSG has a two-point cushion on the second spot over Milan and Newcastle, who are both on five. PSG goes to Dortmund on the last day of group play. Newcastle hosts Milan. Manchester City, they made a big comeback today over RB Leipzig. They've won their group as they try to defend their title. Barcelona, they came back to win in their match at home with Porto. They'll move on to the knockout round for the first time in a little while. And Atleti and Lazio will also be moving on to the knockout round from their group. Number two on the headlines. Let's look ahead to tomorrow's Champions League action. Manchester United, they're at the bottom of their group right now. They need a result at Galatasaray to stay in the hunt, even for the Europa League, by finishing third in the group, let alone continuing on to the Champions League knockout rounds. Copenhagen currently tied on points with Galatasaray, but ahead on goal differential, they will travel to the guaranteed group winners, Bayern, tomorrow. Arsenal, they can clinch winning their group with a win at home tomorrow over Len. Napoli, they're at Real Madrid. A win would clinch qualification for the knockout rounds, although Victor Osimhen is a question mark for the match due to injury. Real Sociedad and Inter, they're already through in their group. They're tied on points with 10. Number three on the headlines, Carlo Ancelotti. Shouldn't be a headline. It is a headline because this is another one of these crazy situations in the world of soccer. So Ancelotti... Everybody has expected that he would leave Real Madrid when his contract is up at the end of the season and manage the Brazilian national team next year. Well, not so fast, my friend. There's a battle now between Real Madrid and the Brazilian FA. Uh, Ancelotti's not talking about it. He said he might not even reveal his plans until the end of the season. He was asked about it at his press conference before the match with Napoli. He said, I say it again, I am not talking about my future. So his contract's up at the end of the season. The president of the Brazilian Federation is saying he's coming. It's done. Real Madrid are saying, well, we might just give him a contract extension. The Brazilian Federation directors telling Reuters that they expect to have him in place for the Copa America next year. So they expect to sign a contract with Ancelotti in Brazil in mid-January. That would void a clause to roll his Real Madrid contract over for another year. Brazil says they have legal safeguards in place to protect their interests in case the deal falls apart. Remember, Brazil has an interim kind of-ish manager, Fernando Denise, who's still managing uh, Fluminense, club team. They signed him to a one-year contract in a caretaker role. That is because they expect Ancelotti to take it. So this is really confusing. I don't know how it's going to go. But Real Madrid and Brazilian Federation battles are always entertaining. So I'm, I'm expecting some popcorn in this one. Number four in the headlines, U-17 World Cup. The final is set. Germany and Argentina drew 3-3 in one semifinal. Germany won the penalty shootout. They'll meet France, who defeated Mali 2-1. Argentina was the team to watch in this tournament. They averaged more than three goals per game. The two leading scorers in the tournament, both from River Plate, by the way, Agustin Ruberto and Claudio Echeverri. Fun team to watch. Uh, they, it's a crazy way to go out. 3-3 draw and to go out on penalties. But it's going to be Germany and France this weekend in the final. 
Three things that make me smile about the game that I love so much to finish things up here on a Tuesday night. Number one, Lucho Acosta winning the MLS MVP. Acosta's always been one of my favorite players in this league. You guys know how I feel about the uh, diminutive Argentines. Acosta's a little more diminutive, but he has really found the perfect spot for him in Cincinnati. He's found a home. He's such an incredible player. He was the best player in the league this season, deserved MVP. And you saw like what Cincinnati meant to him after the final whistle in the conference semifinal with his kids, his wife coming out, um, just the emotion on his face. Love to see it. Lucho Acosta is a player that if you love the game, you got to love what he can do with the ball. Number two on things that make me smile about the game, Fernando Torres and Robin Van Persie. These are two of the best forwards of all time. Scoring goals for fun all over Europe. Now, today, they managed against each other in the UEFA Youth League. I love seeing guys learn the art of coaching with the youth teams as opposed to just waiting to walk into a, a first-team head coaching job. You can start as an assistant, but I love the guys who are going through the youth side and learning how to manage or learning the art of being a manager, of coaching with these youth teams. And number three on the things that make me smile about this game, today's Giving Tuesday. Still got a little bit of time left on it, and you can always send a donation in later. This is a big day for nonprofit organizations. If you're looking to support nonprofit organizations that grow our sport, you can look to soccer in the streets. You can look to the Southern Crescent Soccer Foundation. You can look to the U.S. Soccer Foundation. So many others all over the country. I worked in the field for over a decade. The best nonprofits make every dollar count, and they greatly appreciate every single donation, no matter the size you can afford. Do your research on which organization or organizations you want to support and why, and please consider a donation to round out Giving Tuesday. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. AST will be back next Tuesday night at 10 o'clock. Maybe some Atlanta United news in the interim. Maybe some MLS news. Probably some more handball controversies. We'll get into all that next week at 10 o'clock on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Adios, everybody. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.